Sweet Mother and Mary. I've been telling you guys for the last couple months about the Andrew Main Ghost Vision Viewer app. Just 99 cents for your iPhone and the iTunes App Store. You know, about how you can find these ghosts that are mucking up your life and, and yelling them. But maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should talk to them. Maybe you should walk up to Betsy Ross and be like, can you please stop banging all my pots at night? I need to get up for work. And how are you going to find her? You use your radar, your imager, your word generator, your PK detector, your arrow, your yes and no. And unlike EMF and EVP detectors, it's not prone toward false positives in its user interface. Yeah, folks, the Ghost Vision Viewer app, 99 cents for your iPhone, and now on the iPad only on the iTunes App Store. Bandwidth for the Weird Things Podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Weird Things. We are your hosts. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hi, everybody. Mr. Brian Brushwood. Is it weird? It's been so long since I've felt so weird. Brian, I feel weird 24-7. I know you do, but we got to bring that experience to the masses, and I feel guilty that we were out of it for two whole weeks. We were busy entertaining crowds of people and bringing joy to the world. Yeah, but we bring more joy to more people and also weirdness with the weird things. That's true. I, it's true. I, I've got a whole bag full of weird. I'm just going to start throwing at people, flinging in their faces. It's going to get in their mouth and their eyes, and I hope they're ready. Like some sort of bizarre Johnny Appleseed just <laughs> trekking across the country, flinging weird flakes all over, over everyone. Into their eyes. Yes. <laughs> Not in the eye. Johnny it sting, weird. It stings a little, but it's okay. So, uh, a lot of weird stuff happened lately, but I, I got to tell you, I'm just going to get meta here for a moment. Okay. Are you breaking the fourth I, wall? Yeah, oh, I smashed it. I, are, I like are you cracking this. the fifth dimension, as we say on the Weird Things podcast. I'm getting higher and higher, my friend. Up, up in a beautiful balloon. <laughs> you know, I wonder who. I wonder. There's got to be some contingency that listens to this podcast high, and I wonder how many minds we've blown. True that. Well, listen to listeners out there, and that'd be anybody other than us that's hearing this. Yeah. You know, I like podcasts. Do you guys like podcasts? I like podcasts. I love podcasts. Ing and you, podcasts. Well, you know, it's it's awesome is to listen to a podcast. I mean, that's that's like my favorite way to consume it is to actually listen to a podcast. I like right. to do it because one time I tried just looking at it and it really wasn't the same. No, it's not. It just doesn't have the same effect. Can't taste now, it. Now, <laughs> you know what's cool is like if you have like an iPhone or an iPod Touch or an iPad, you can yeah. use iTunes and you can download this podcast and we can crawl inside of your ear holes and just... Rub your brain and make you feel good. Sure. Cozy right, up you know, to the cochlea. Cochlea. Take two. Cozy up <laughs> to know, the cochlea. If, if you're sitting at your desktop, you know, you can go to our website and you can click play at weirdthings.com and listen. And we just, 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 just do weird, make it rain all over you. And you can do that. Sure. <laughs> we make it rain um, notes of weirdness. Like there's just a note that says uh, Bigfoot's real. 
and then a note that said, an alien rubbed my butt. And and then we just throw them all up in the air and, and they just land all over people. And they're like, wow, this is really bizarre. And why are you doing this? How do you do this? But then it's like the H2. boss shows up. I see where you're headed with this because you're listening on your desktop and the boss shows up. You're like, oh, I was just getting up to go. What are you doing? I was, I was just going to the bathroom and then you click, you know, the boss key. Is that and weird so, on your face? Is that weird on your hands? Uh, no, no, I was, I was just going, uh, uh, a hobo threw this on me. I'm going to go clean it off now. What kind of business do you think we're running here? Or, you know, Mr. Slate pulls that whistle and you hop <laughs> off the back of the Stegosaurus and go sliding <laughs> off into your car to go pedal away, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I wish I had weird with me. Because yeah. then you're in the bathroom and you're cleaning off the weird off your face, but you're like, I wish I was still here in the weird. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and and like otherwise, what you have to do, and what I do is I'll start listening to a Weird Things episode on my desktop, and then I'll have to go into iTunes and download the episode or go to our website and start playing it again and, and just try, try to guesstimate. So I'll just like, I'll be like, oh, the last thing I remember was Andrew said something about the singularity. But then it was, <laughs> oh no, it was after Brian said that thing about ghosts and Justin made some noise that didn't actually form a word. Or make any sense at all. Yeah. Totally do you account. really do that, Justin? Is this a true story? Like sitting there <laughs> at the at the warehouse, you, you you listen to the Weird Things podcast on the desktop, and then you go to play it on your iPhone, and you can't remember because you're the one who edits it. It's just weird that you would say. That's- oh no! I mean, I can remember, but I have to I have to scrub through it. It's just like yeah. I don't know. It's an extra step. So you know, we we thought about this. We said, you know what? I mean, we do our job with content and creating this this weird content for you. You're, you're gosh darn right we do. And, and we thought, we want to take this to the next level. We want to, we want the most awesome experience next to us crawling in bed with you at night and whispering <laughs> weird things to you as you go to sleep, which, which is a service we can do, by the way, just to let you know. We thought, what is the next best way for you to have weird with you whenever and to have it be just like, just, just pick up where we left off. Like, imagine having the three of us with you 24-7 whenever you want weird. It'd be a foursome. Or you could either picture it as a threesome with us using your brain as the cheap hotel room or a foursome if you want to involve yourself. Exactly. But it'd be cool if it was like we could pick up where we left off. So Justin and I, you know, we got our hands dirty. We started doing some coding. We started getting deep into some HTML. You you, you didn't do any of those things. No, we did. Brian. You didn't do any of those things. I, I will have you know I've cracked a lot of books. Neither of you. Neither of you could have possibly. And well, Hummel, neither um, of you have the capability that it takes. Neither of you has the and, and well, well, Brian, well, well, listen, after we finished and we looked at the pile of sticks and rubble <laughs> and, and newspapers that we'd cobbled together, we realized this maybe wasn't the solution we were looking for. So we actually had it was four army men duct taped onto a bottle of Diet Rite Aid. Like, we think we need a computer or something. <laughs> and and so in your so head, we, you're like, maybe we should hire Dan Dirks. Right, so we're like, well, who do we know who has a computer? Like, Dan has a computer, so we, we explained And actually, right Dan. when Andrew said that, a lightning strike Literally. just hit in the background. Dan Dirks <laughs> appeared before us in his dark wizard robes. Yes. We, we, <laughs> playing, we, we, a, we, playing an electric guitar. Yeah. <laughs> as we just hid in fear behind a rock. <laughs> You're like and, and, wizard and we, from the future. Like, help us. us your talents. So we, we pulled out, you know, a, a little paper bag with crayon scribblings on it and showed Dan this was our idea and Dan laughed and tore it apart and put it back together in a mystical magical way. And, <laughs> Wait, and, you and Dan, he did a magic trick for you? <laughs> he did. But real, real, not the fake kind you and I do, Brian. This right. is real. And then <laughs> he did Miss Maid. 
And then, and then after many, many late hour Skype sessions with, you know, me saying, it's got to be shinier. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you add sequins, sparkles, some form yes, of wizardry? All of Andrew's notes were like the scene in Lost in Translation with Bill Murray doing the Scotch commercial. Where it's just, yeah. Andrew just looked at it and said, ah, with uh, more intensity. Yes. <laughs> so to cut to the chase, ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to unveil a radically new way to listen to podcasts. Imagine, if you will, not an application you go into the iTunes store to download, but something you just go straight to a website and get, and just, it runs as a web app, nothing to install. You can listen to all of our episodes, all of our episodes. You can pause an episode. Now, this is the killer feature. We will give you a unique URL, your own URL, as we like to call it, that you share with your desktop. So imagine that right now, if you are listening on your iPhone, you could click pause. But don't do that right now because you won't hear the rest. Go to your desktop. Go to where we have the go to the podcast client. It will remember where you were and you can click play and start playing from your desktop or share between a laptop and a computer. Any iOS device or any desktop that has a modern browser, it will work with. It's coded in pure HTML5. Eventually, when Android supports that, it'll work there too. But what this is, it's a podcast client that just streams from the cloud that lets you pause and start from wherever you are on any device you want with your own unique URL that remembers that. There's nothing to install. All you have is one URL. We kindly, on our own magical back-end magic technology that's not the pile of sticks that Justin and I made, we have a server that will save that for you. Now, with the cool thing about iOS devices like iPhones and iPod Touches, you don't have to wait for it to download to get to where you left off. It will start right at that point and continue on playing. You don't have to wait for the whole episode to get in there. It just picks up at that last point. It is magical. So what you're saying is this is super complicated and they don't have the right hardware. No. That's exactly not what we're, what we're saying, saying, Ryan. Oh. It's, uh, it's opposite day in your brain. <laughs> you have an what eye. this is is a very, very, very simple way that you can uh, start listening to something on your desktop and then pick it up on any kind of mobile uh, iOS device. Yeah, iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, or if you just want to listen on your desktop at work or at school and come home and listen to it, all you have to do is it'll yeah. work just desktop to desktop. And easy way to find it, we're going to put on the weirdthings.com, we'll put a link to it. Right now, you can find it at Podcaster, with that's no E like Flickr, podcaster.com slash weird things. You'll go right there. You can go there on your desktop if you want. Go there on your iPhone, your iPod Touch, your iPad. You go there, and there is a player designed for you to listen to this show with some cool little features, and there are more stuff coming. But that's a new way to listen, and it'll get you go in there. You click in the upper right corner. There's a little information button. It'll give you your own unique URL that you can share with any device that you want to that fully HTML compliant, HTML5 compliant, and start and stop anywhere you want. Come back, pick it up. No syncing required. No iTunes required. Awesome. I'm down for it. I approve. I, I allow you to start this project. Well, we had no choice. The Dark Wizard told us we had to. Exactly. <laughs> Here's a hilarious surprise. You or someone you love has cancer. Uh, all right. That was, that was inappropriate. Because it's not a happy surprise. It's a terrible surprise. But... A listener to this podcast, Seth, is going through it right now. And he has a website called expiredmeat.com. And he's basically dedicated, uh, you know, his time while he's going through this to making really, really morbid gallows humor shirts about the situation that he's going through. And it's something that's relatable. I mean, if you've ever had anybody in, in this kind of situation, sometimes 
you know, this sort of black humor helps you laugh through stuff that would otherwise be really hard to get through. So there's a reason why you'd laugh at shirts like, if you prayed for me harder, I wouldn't have cancer. Or my friend got cancer and all I got was this crappy t-shirt. Or cancer's not contagious. Or support cancer. No, wait, help cancer. No, fight cancer. Just fight it. Or, of course, my favorite, some merce just shaved my balls. Yes, you can find it all at expiredmeat.com or follow Seth at expiredmeat on Twitter. All proceeds go to help Seth. So help Seth buy a shirt. So, boys and girls, got some news to talk about, some weird stuff to go on the news here. Uh, today, yeah. as we record this, I don't know, Brian, did you go outside? Did you go look up in the sky? Uh, yeah, dude, it was beautiful. I sat in the hot tub and, and drank a beer, and there was not a cloud in the sky. I saw Orion, because it's winter. Ah, did you see the Space Shuttle Discovery? Uh, no, because I live in Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can see it at night with a telescope. Well, that's something I wish I had thought of <laughs> before I started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Space Shuttle Discovery, it's the last mission, three missions left. This is the third, this is the first of the last three missions. This is the Space Shuttle Discovery's last mission into space. So there are two more or one more shuttle launches? I think there's two more. I think each one of the shuttles, the two other shuttles are getting their own final launches. Wait, there are, what's left? Just Endeavor, right? Um, I think there was a... Uh, that one blew oh, up. No, no, they've had, let me, let me, I'm going to check. That other one also blew up. Yeah, but we had, we had like multiple shuttles. There. It was, it was right, Columbia, me... Challenger, Discovery, Endeavor, and what? There was Atlantis. Oh, Atlantis. Yes, of course. So how many shuttles are there? Does that make that? I'm actually, I'm breaking know, five. a rule. And then the Enterprise also, was sleepy, their practice dopey, shuttle. Wacko, and yakko, and dot. Nobody, nobody wants to fly in Sneezy, the shuttle. <laughs> I do. So, so the one they used to test the carrier, that was Enterprise. That was the one that they put up there. Right. Let's see. Let's see which how many shuttles we have here. Um, looking, looking, looking on my iPhone, so I'm not actually going to my computer. Finding the list of space shuttles. Now, I watched, uh, I might get into this later on as my pick, um, but uh, yes, Atlantis, Endeavor. Um, so anyhow, this is Discover's, Discovery's last mission into space, okay? And we've only got two more missions coming up and then no more space shuttle. Golly. Well, no more NASA space shuttle, right? Well, no more space shuttle as a No more space. They're use. actually canceling space after this. Yes. <laughs> That's why we can't keep anything nice in this galaxy. We're canceling space. How do you feel, Brian? So to be honest, I'm ticked off because, you know, freaking on my bucket list for 10 years has been see a shuttle launch and they waited until now when I'm not in Orlando to do it. And it looks like I'm going to miss it. Justin? Uh, I, I think that it's it's part of a, a necessary evolution. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to get to a point where, you know, SpaceX has kind of... Uh, a, you know, already started to have tremendous, uh, you know, growth in terms of, of what they can send up there and how cheap they can send it up there and actually send it up there on time. So I think, Brian, you know, to your point, I think the likelihood 
of you actually seeing a shuttle launch on time and on budget, if you know, is going to be greater as as the time goes on. I think it's it's kind of certainly well, insane. I mean, just to clarify, you mean a rocket launch, not a shuttle launch. A, a, shuttle, a, ro- it, a rocket. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, things going into space. And yeah. and and you know, as as private space flight progresses, then you know, we're going to see more stuff go into space, including people and things. And I think it's it's something that uh you know, it's just it's just the, the the way things go. I mean, the, obviously, there's been a lot of problems with that the, the NASA program for for a long time. I mean, even the fact that you know we've lost a couple shuttles and and very very solvable reasons why why that happened. So I think it's it's obviously there's a lot of sentimentality toward NASA, and I certainly have my fair share of it. But at the same time, it's it's not. The end, like, like Brian said, jokingly, like, we're not canceling space, everybody, <laughs> you know, we're still going to find ways to get up there and, and it's just not going to be NASA. And I think NASA is the reason why it's not going to be like that. What do you see as, as we have companies like SpaceX, which, you know, are capable now of putting rockets into orbit and SpaceX has now said that they're, they're ready to begin preparation for actually putting people into orbit. And then you have uh, Virgin Galactic which will take you into technical space on board one of their craft, which they promise is going to be so safe that you can actually put that's you know, sub suborbital, in there. suborbital space, right? Yeah, that not just that's suborbital. It takes something like thirty times the amount of energy to actually get you into orbit. Wow, that, you know one of those things has, but it's still space, though. You still get your astronaut wings if you do that. You were in the Air Force or whatever, so I mean that's space, and it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, that's cool as hell. I think we're going to be doing more of that. I don't know. I just well, what do you, what do you see? What do you think NASA's mission should be now? NASA's mission? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I I I here's what I predict will happen is NASA was originally created as a scientific research institute, or I mean, or that's my impression of it. But uh, but the Cold War made the whole space race thing a giant uh, wiener measuring contest, and then, then in the eighties, it was like, well, we're going to run a space running service and we're going to be a quasi commercial enterprise. So it became all about just going up into low earth orbit. Meanwhile, it's like NASA should be doing the type of things that there's no money in because Mm -hmm. that's why we spend tax dollars on it is so we could do it because no private enterprise would have anything to benefit from sending robots to Europa. That's all NASA should be doing. Low Earth orbit, where they can make profitable medicines, or even missions to the moon, where they can harvest uh, what is it, helium three? Is it helium three? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's all, that should all be private industry, where there's a buck to be made, and NASA should be doing the stuff that nobody else would do. All right. So maybe some deep space stuff too. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll throw something out there for you right now. Is that we uh. We obviously, at some point, as our species, we want to go further on out there. And, and and I was I was as a kid, I was like a super super space enthusiast. I'm like, no matter how dangerous, we should do it. But then, as I get older, I'm like, all right, let's say I made some wings out of balsa wood and paper. And theoretically, I went to you, yeah, theoretically, I went to you guys and said, here's a cliff. I want you guys to jump off the cliff. And. Okay, you know, bye. That, that, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that's that's the point. In some ways, I feel that some of this some of the space exploration is at where it is like the shuttle's ridiculously dangerous, ridiculously dangerous. And we defend it like, ah, you know, it's our, you know, it's our mission to go into space and to push these frontiers. And like, I, I, I agree. I agree. But if like, you know, 
every time you launched a uh, you know a sailing ship out to sea, you know it it had a you know was it like a one in twelve chance or one in twenty chance of sinking? Wait, isn't you know, that actually what the uh, what the odds were when they would send sailing ships out to explore for the new world? Well, it depends at, w- at what point, you know. But that was also a time when you had a much less value on the cost of human life. Well, so we, okay, so here's the thing: if mm-hmm. imagine, if you will, in this corner, Carl Sagan; in the other corner, uh, one James Cameron. Both okay. of very different mindsets, mm-hmm. uh, and they both make very compelling arguments that that both appeal to my aesthetics and and the poetry of man's destiny to explore the universe. And the one, the mm-hmm. one I heard first in Pale Blue Dot from Carl Sagan talks about how, what a tragedy it is that we want to send physical people into space because it's so wasteful, so complicated, and you get so much less than you would dollar for dollar, pound for pound than if you sent robots. For the cost of sending one human mm-hmm. to the moon, we could spend, we, we could spend, we could send 10 robots to all the different planets in the solar system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not 10 apiece, 10 total. And so right. as far as scientific understanding of the universe, it is asinine. It's nothing but, it's nothing but arrogance and uh, uh, a, a vestige of the Cold War that we're still sending meat into space when what we say we want to do is understand the world. Now, that's, that's Carl Sagan's position. Right. On the other side, you have James Cameron. James Cameron, who says, we are explorers. We were built to get off this rock, and every second we're not doing that is a waste of all of our time. He says, all of our, every mission we've had in a space since the 70s has, has gotten us so, so barely off this planet. The view people have from the space station, and this is straight from Richard Garriott explaining. He says, it's about, I don't know, five or 10 times higher than a commercial airline flight which is nothing. It's like looking at the planet as a, as a basketball with your face mashed up against it. You could barely see the curvature. You're not leaving mm-hmm. the planet. No man since the 70s and no woman ever has viewed the entirety of Earth with their eyes. That is a crime. And in my lifetime, there will be a time that no living human will have walked on the moon unless... China does their game the way they want to, unless Japan keeps moving forward, unless commercial space exploration ramps up. And that is a tragedy because we are built to explore and get out of this Petri dish of the planet Earth. Here's my question, Brian. Here's my question. All right. At, 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 at what cost? You know, do we do we do it now? You know, in the next, do we do it now and spend X? Do we do it? 15 years from now and have the price be 50 times less and 50 times safer. Well, if you ask James Cameron, we do it 20 minutes ago and X Mm -hmm. is the budget for Terminator five, you know, I mean, it's like, whatever my, my biggest concern. And, and, and I, and I, I think my, I would, I would argue against Carl Sagan's point too, is that, you know, what's the point of knowing if we don't think we have a future out there, you know, if we don't, you know, if we, if we never plan to visit Europa, I don't care. What's on Europa? I, I I do care in, in sort of an academic scientific sense about you know what's the answer to some sort of mathematical problem. But you know, as a forward-looking spacefaring species, you know, obviously it's not arrogance that we want to put out there. It's survival. But counter to that point, though, is that at what point when do you decide you know the risk is worth it versus not? And the problem we've had is, do you know how old the space shuttle Discovery is? 
I'm going to say 25 years 74 old. years mm. old. It's like 27 years old. It's 27 years old. Okay. And that is the state of the art of the technology. And that is sort of the problem we've had. So is at that- this point, Discovery is like married and having, it's already got a three-year-old, but it just found out that it's pregnant with a second kid. And it's wondering how, especially because it just found out it's about to get fired. It's about to be, Wait, hold you know, on. Wait, how old is it? 27. I'm 27. I know. Most <laughs> adults- at 27, I've already gotten married and had kids. Really? Okay. And by adults, for, I mean responsible grown-ups. I mean, for, for context here for our listeners, when Discovery rolled out of the factory, I, I don't think Return of the Jedi had hit theaters yet. Okay. Or just came in. I mean, you're just talking that you just, you just that was the same year that Jedi came out. I, I don't know that I mean, that... Uh, considering our demographic, I don't know that that'll impress a lot of people because I don't well, think I'm a lot saying, of them were born when that movie. That's came out. the point, Brian. That's the point. It's like saying Casablanca. All right, all right. <laughs> that's my whole point: is that it's so so old. So it's this old. is yeah. This is this is the state of the art. It's a twenty-seven-year-old, you know, twenty-seven-year-old spacecraft. When well, you know, so so it what's was, so what's your take on it? Like, first of all, uh, it sounds like you hate both sides. Uh, send send men or send robots. You're like. Why send anything? What does it matter? Uh, absolutely not my position. Absolutely not my position. My problem is, is that when government, government, okay, when, when. <laughs> government, government okay. ain't going to well, make hey a space now, sir, Say now, what, okay. what government? From, from the time that, you know, uh, Discovery first launched, I mean, Discovery first came out, came out of the factory to today, okay, is a you know it was about the same amount of time from when Sputnik launched from Sputnik to Discovery and then nothing since Discovery that is the state of the art of the shuttle yeah that's what we've had the last 27 years because that's when the government gets into things you know you we got we got Amtrak it ratchets you know for for good and and we're not we're not dogging on government here it's just that that is the nature of things is once you have something that works then you lock it in yeah, and so, and, and but saying it didn't work. It's a costly. It was a thing that just for what it was supposed to do, it didn't do. But it was just one of those big pork projects. Nobody wanted to shut down. So you know, for twenty seven years, twenty seven years, that's that's been, you know, for all of our lifetimes, that's been the state of the art for launching people into space. The United States is that, and it, and it's a, it held us back. It was a platform that was before it even took off. That you know, the more sensible people were saying this was the wrong way to do it. This didn't make sense. And that's sort of the problem. And my, I guess what I'm getting at is that I, I'm, I'm so afraid of you know because you know now we have a program like the Project Orion, which already got partially got defunded, but because of commitments to builder, you know, to contractors, we're going to build part of it. It's never going to be used. Wow. And and so we get into these sort of things where we spend billions and billions of billions of dollars on stuff that. I, I don't think if, if you're asking me, can we count the survival of the species on this way of doing it? Absolutely not. So, Brian, I, you know, I, I think there's a very valid argument for going into space and manned exploration in space. My biggest concern, I guess, is just that how bureaucratic things become. You know, it's this, we're launching a craft into space that's 27 years old and designed, had been designed for another decade before that. So, you know, almost 40 years old. And that's the state of the art. And that's the problem when large bureaucracies run things and do things. And I, I, I'm much more excited about where we're going with private exploration of space. I would like there to be some sort of public answer to that and way to do that. And I, and I don't know, I don't, you know, maybe it's, maybe we're better doing Manhattan project type things and things that are supposed to last decades. Yeah. And what's disturbing to me is that now we're giving up on this 27 year old solution or actually really, I mean, it was started in the 19, I mean, I guess 35 year old solution 
but but the Soyuz craft is older than that, isn't it? I mean, we're we're relying on technology at this moment, and I know SpaceX is gonna have something really soon. But for the moment, we're relying on even older technology. Yeah, yeah. And we had, you know, for getting stuff up there, when we, we kind of went from our heavy lift program, our Saturn V boosters and all that to the shuttle. So we had things that were very capable, but then we had, oh, here's this sleeker, more sexy thing. And that is, it is a frustration I have with big science. As much as I love science is the way these things get sold to scientifically illiterate politicians and then what they end up being. And it never turns out the well, way they, it is. From they, super sell them, they sell them to, on side benefits, which is such a wrong way to oh, do it. Don't don't yeah. sell us the space program for Tang and Velcro. If what you want is Tang and Velcro, then spend one twentieth the amount and hire the finest minds to sit in a room and come up with awesome ideas yes. like Tang and Velcro. And Velcro, yeah, exactly. Toys. They're walking around, teaching us life lessons, getting voiced by Tim Allen. I'm sick of it. That's why I download the Chibi Project. Okay, it's a podcast where they destroy toys for no good reason. Coming back from a big old hiatus with all new episodes. Subscribe right now on iTunes and pick up where you might have left off. Or you can download uh, some some old episodes, some classics. Like when Brian Brushwood, the co-host of this podcast, blew a fireball at Sailor Mars. Or when they put Pikachu under a circular saw. Pikachu, Pikachu! They cut Sailor Moon in half with a chainsaw and they ran over Stuffed Cat with a tractor. Can you think of anything more fun? I can't. Go to Chibi Project on iTunes and download it. All right, boys and girls, let's change tact just a little bit. A little fun, little bit of trivia information. How many presidents can you name that saw UFOs? Ooh, I know one for sure. Who is that? Jimmy Carter. I was gonna All say right. Carter, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and and take a wild guess on Andrew Jackson. <laughs> yes, little known fact. Uh, I, known I, fact. I think Eisenhower seems like the type, and I'm gonna say Reagan. Ding ding. Anyone else? Uh, uh, I'm gonna say Reagan. on the benefit of the ding ding that Reagan's correct. <laughs> Reagan is correct. Reagan also saw a UFO. Reagan had a report about flying in an airplane towards Bakersfield or something like that and seeing a mysterious object out in the sky and then seeing it dart up up above. And that was his experience, which I don't know if that convinced him that aliens were real, but that was well, sort of Okay, can, can, it, I, can I real quick put this on pause? Can we divorce the I saw something weird in the sky from the totally separate way out of context idea that that aliens are real i mean i don't understand it's like if sure brian if you want to destroy where i'm going to next absolutely oh, did i do that i'm sorry divorce it kramer versus kramer that's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry i didn't mean to do that i'm just saying i'm just saying that's always driven me nuts it's like yes you saw a phenomenon in the sky that you cannot explain there's yeah. no need to leap to that aliens conclusion how do, I'm sorry, I didn't could be, gob, I, could be could be goblins with jet exactly yeah could be yeah. could be Satan's teardrops it could yeah. be it could be a wizard who farted really hard it could be uh Sasquatch wearing a jetpack made of dinosaur bones that poops out diamonds and all right all right I don't <laughs> like the tone of where this is exactly going. it could be the headless horseman riding a Pegasus yes. 
All right, children, enough of this. <laughs> Wait, is that really where all this was headed? Talk. I didn't mean to kill the bit. Well, as a matter of Ryan, you like to kill bits. Ah, ah. Like to just like to murder them in the crib. <laughs> so it's not sudden infant death syndrome. It's Schwood idea death syndrome. <laughs> for shame, sir. For shame. So how about that space shuttle? Let's go back. No, let's talk about Reagan seeing his crazy UFO mumbo jumbo. So Reagan sees a crazy UFO. And Reagan, you know, obviously, according to Brian, was wrong to sort of bring in aliens in the discussion. For shame, Ronald Reagan. Oh, he did? Yeah. Great American hero. I'm sorry. According to a new poll uh, considered by America the greatest uh, president of all time. Uh, Sure. Let's, Let's go ahead with Brian. Yeah, Host Brian, of yeah. Scam School. That's right. Yeah, Brian says, for shame, sir, why would you bring this up? What would you know about freedom and innovation and defeating commies? Right? Hanging Velcro, so we dude. We got you on that? Hanging Velcro. Got, the, you got, got you on the record there? All right, that's your response to Ronald Reagan? All right, fine. Fine. So what, what did Ronnie see? And what, what well, did I'm Justin, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked, Justin. So Ronnie saw something, right? You know, I'm, I don't know what the explanations were, but it was a, an experience that, you know, you're... You're, you know, you're at this point, I think, as governor, and then he becomes president. You're you know, a guy who's kind of a high-level person in that regard, and you have this sort of experience. It's got to change you. It's got to change your outlook. So, Brian, you're governor of California. You look outside an airplane, and you see this thing fly off into the sky, and people around you go aliens. And after you're done telling them to shut up and stop talking about aliens, what happens? Does it change your outlook on life? Wait, okay, so wait, I'm the president in this scenario? No, you're governor right now. Let's one step at okay, a time. But I'll, okay, but I'm going to be president. Andy ambitious. Okay, all right, all right. And so everyone's like, stop talking about it. Uh, well, look, first of all, I understand that they're saying that because, you know, I'm an elected official and they don't want to look dumb. So it's just like, you know what? There ain't no money in talking about the things in the sky. So stop talking um, about um, things in the sky. How, how does it affect you, though? You see this thing, you're like, man, what is that? You're just like, all right, whatevs. You know what I do is I start a show on a cable news network, and I'm like, I just have questions. I saw some in the sky. That's all I'm saying. Just asking questions. Just asking questions. Does it, does it change? Now, a few years later, you're, you're president of the United States. You're leader of the free world. Does that experience change your outlook at all? You know what I do is I, I think I would quietly obsess over this kind of thing, and I would secretly set up an inqu- inqu- inquiry, but I, I can't say how that experience is going to necessarily – Justin, you answer the question because Brian refuses to. I, yes. Okay. No. All right. Well, hold on, Brian. So, number one, you're the president, so you can really do nothing quietly. You know, you can you can uh, talk we to have a few presidents people, but, who are but, getting but, laid no, no matter, quietly. All right, but like that—that's quietly in quotes. You know, if, if you look at like when those things break, <laughs> like fifty people know about it. You know, it's just a matter that they're not saying anything because they're all tied into the plan. Uh, you know, I, I think. All right. So, so you. Explore it on some level. You you want to use the power of the presidency to satiate your curiosity. Yes, totally, a hundred percent. Which I mean, wasn't wasn't it uh, Clinton that when he got got into office, and I don't know whether it was apocryphal or not, said that the two first things he wanted to know was, was did Area Fifty One exist and who killed Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I think. I don't know. I mean, I would definitely, I would look into it. I would, you know, if I saw something that, uh, that was crazy, I would, I would go to my, my number one aide and I would say, listen, let's, let's look into this, you know? All right. Does it, does, does it affect policy for you? I, I can't uh, imagine it would because me personally, I, I am very prone to doubt my own experience. 
where it's like I, I'm mm-hmm. very quick to be like, well, it's as, as are we, Brian. We doubt your own experiences. It certainly too. looked like that UFO flew away in a whoosh, but you know, I'm I'm an <laughs> idiot. It's like, listen, I was gonna approve this one millage increase in tax ratio arbitrage, but then this whole alien thing popped up, and it's really freaking me out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know well, how it could color things. I mean, what do you do? Like, do you like? I want to spend less money defending us against the godless communists and more getting ready for the for the green man invasion. Or, or maybe, maybe when you're at Geneva with the godless communists like Mikhail Gorbachev. Maybe it affects a conversation you have. Oh, with my them. God. Is this heading where I think it is? I Does he know. lean over to Gorbachev and be like, yes, yes, missiles and so on. Seriously, though, you saw them, too, didn't you? <laughs> OK, well, hold on. What, Brian, or Andrew, can you give can you give us the topic of the conversation? Then I'll be Gorbachev and Brian will be ragging. <laughs> uh, I well, I mean, the topic is uh, Reagan. Despite how some of his detractors may color him, Reagan actually was a guy that wanted peace. You wanted, you know, we wanted people to live under freedom, and and often for people that kind of posturing doesn't sound like that. But he was certainly a guy that loved the idea of everybody in the world being a free people. Uh, maybe and he did some things and collaborated some people and empowered some people that maybe shouldn't have. But that was that really was a value that he had, and. He was reportedly at one point when he first, you know, met with some of the uh, Soviet officials, he actually said, hey, let's get rid of all nuclear weapons. What about that? And our own generals had to say, well, you know, they have the Russians have a strategic advantage. If we don't have nuclear or tactical nuclear weapons, we would be at a disadvantage and we couldn't stop them from taking Europe. And he had to go, oh, I see your point. So that's that's, that's kind of the mindset so far for those of you guys yeah. keeping track. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the kind of mindset that that guy had. OK, so you put this guy in a room with Gorbachev and, you know, he's had this experience of color the way he thinks. Where do you think that, you know, maybe he's dying to tell somebody else. Maybe he's dying to tell or talk about it or incorporate it into you like, well, this, you know, in some way that's going to affect his outlook. So hold, hold on. Wait, I'm, I'm having I'm having a, a bit of difficulty connecting Reagan seeing what he thinks is a UFO on a plane when he's governor and all right. his his need to uh, or his, his initial want to disarm her completely. All right. Do you want to know? This was this is what Reagan t- said to Gorbachev reported. Okay. Well, okay. I just get, yeah. In what conversation though? Because I'm pretty sure Justin and I are going to give. We're going to take the viewers there, the listeners. We're going to bring them through time. Listen, if you guys can't pick up and figure out where to go from it here, I just have to lay it out and say it. Well, go. Yes. So Reagan leans into Gorbachev and he says, uh, "If we were uh, attacked by aliens from outer space." Did you come to our defense? Wow. <laughs> Gorbachev said, Gorbachev says, absolutely. And that was what a bridge, that was where a bond between <laughs> the two nations came together. And then, was the idea in the face of a mutual alien enemy that the two of us would unite together to fight off alien invaders. You, Brian, who dismissed that sighting outside an airplane window and said, bye, I don't know what I'm seeing, who cares, I'm not going to tell anybody of what significance is this. No, no. Ronald Reagan, being the great man that he was, has this experience and from there uses it as a olive branch of understanding to the other This superpower. is amazing. It could be that the link that – because it, it was one of those weird things, despite the giant face-off between Reagan and Gorbachev, the fact that both of them wanted peace and there was some bridge mm-hmm. between the two. And that's what the dismantling of the Cold War was all about. 
to think that all of that might have, I'd like to think it all started with that one moment that a paranoid Ronald Reagan, afraid of space aliens, was able to link up with an equally paranoid Gorbachev. I don't think he was afraid. I mean, he's like, would you help us fight them off? Is It's a done thing that we would fight them off. Yeah. It no, might be I... coincidence that today is July 4th, but should we win the day? <laughs> Our Independence Day. Yes. Day. We will tell them that we will not go quietly into the night. We will not today. go down without a fight. <laughs> today is our Independence Day. So, Brian, Reagan sees a UFO, world peace ensues. You see a UFO, you just hide in the corner, afraid to tell anybody what you saw, doubting yourself. No, Brian issues an official press release that just says, (laughs) (laughs) And there's a very crude drawing of him with both of his his palms upturned and his shoulders hunched, and it just says underwear, under, uh, under, I, I think I think if Reagan saw a ghost, we would have cured cancer. I don't know how that would work out, but I'm sure that's what would have happened. He thought he saw the devil. Then he'd be all like, seriously, if the devil was going to eat your soul when you die, would you cure cancer? Yes. Exactly. And then Gorbachev played some metal music. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just thought that was pretty cool. Just That's the amazing, idea that yeah. It gets, I think we're just going through Gorbachev's mind. My, my only regret is that Justin and I didn't know enough to be able to act that scene out. Here's the deal. I want I want Justin, tell us what's going through Gorbachev's mind. Okay? Ron, uh, Brian, you lean in as Ronald. You tell him this. Story. All right. Well, first, we, we're talking about something else. I think that's what Justin was asking earlier. What were we talking about before we got to this? I, I don't know. It doesn't, Danish is. Who cares? Just start it. Gorby. Uh, yes. Uh, these, <laughs> I'm playing them like, like <laughs> Clint Eastwood's our president. Uh, in fact, how I, that's awesome how I'm going to do it. Uh, these Danishes are very good. Um, you know, Stop talking. I'm... Stop talking. If aliens attack, yeah. will you be on our side? <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea. I imagine that like Brian as Reagan, he looks over his shoulder to make sure that like George Bush isn't looking and that nobody none of the other people hear him so he can deny it. <laughs> so that like if Gorbachev goes, what the hell? He'd be like, ah, translation problem. <laughs> um President Reagan, I appreciate your tactic of surprise. <laughs> um and now here begins the inner monologue, which ironically also includes Gorbachev trying to translate his Russian into English. <laughs> what is this man talking about? <laughs> First the Danish, now aliens. Danish was pretty good, though. <laughs> but with the alien, even on a metaphorical level, it represents a very interesting moral conundrum. If outside force came down from heavens, would we stand next to American pig dogs? Mm. <laughs> back to out back to actual spoken speech yes <laughs> back to uh, internal monologue wait a minute did yes mean yes or no i forget <laughs> <laughs> i want to i, I, I want to add an ancillary monologue and that is him thinking 
Is this man serious? <laughs> if he is serious, answer is yes. And also, I'm very frightened. Because, <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, the leader of the free world tells you, brings up the scenario out of the blue about aliens. You're going, do you want to go up against a guy that crazy? Okay, but then again, like, all we do on this podcast is talk about stuff from uh, Pravda and all the crazy Russian stuff. And it's like, do we really think yeah, that no. Russia got crazy <laughs> in fact, since absolutely. the 80s or that they just didn't talk about fact, how absolutely completely nuts they were until the, 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 the Iron Curtain fell? They were nuts. Who knows what Gorbachev felt Gorbachev goes, yes, if you will help defend us against wood goblins. Exactly. <laughs> Gorbachev had a wood goblin in his cabinet, and that's a fact. Well, I, guarantee you, I, hear- I guarantee you that he was thinking like, oh, good, he see them too. Yes, yes, exactly. We have wood goblin problem. We need help. We, you may call them Chechnyans. We know them as wood goblins. Exactly. And uh, Reagan says that Gorbachev just looks down at his itinerary and quietly scratches off alien invasion, which was two, <laughs> two topics down. <laughs> we have already talked about these. Uh, boys and girls, I thought we could go on another little mystery solving expedition. Thank goodness. But Sparrow and the Fudge can't make it to this one. Thank goodness. We need their smarter, more scientifically literate colleagues. Okay. And uh, So that would obviously be you and Brian. (laughs) (laughs) I know we're going to have – we need need two new people because I'm going to have two scientists, two guys who go out. They're kind of rough and tumble, sort of outdoorsy science kind of guys. So, Justin, what's Brian's name going to be? All right. uh, Brian's name – is going to be uh, Dr. Herb Velasic. <laughs> All right. Brian, your turn for uh, Justin. Justin, everyone just calls him Viderman. Viderman, all right. <laughs> Velasic and Viderman. Viderman, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all we right. went to med school yeah. together before we started law school, and then we also, strangely, <laughs> found ourselves at science school. Yes. Science school. I'm, I'm Vlasic, is that what you said? Dr. Herb Velocic. Velocic. Yes. Like the pickles. Yes. No, Velocic that's classic. And, and in fact, you're very offended. I know, I hate it. Everyone classic. always says like the pickle, and I get so bad. I'm like, Velocic. <laughs> it's totally different. Viderman, we can you talk like, to you, these guys. But you love pickles and you eat them on No, I have time in the cafeteria. Seen eating pickles. That's the weird part. <laughs> you, got, like, you got a fork and a pickle as you're chowing down on it, and you're like, no, you got it wrong. That's great Nothing point, Dill. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Yes. Mr. Uh, Velocic Pickle Breath. Yeah. And, it has uh, nothing to do with pickles. It's not Velocic. <laughs> Talatosis. <laughs> All right. Gentlemen, we're going to try and solve a mystery, and this is a real mystery. This is a real mystery that has been baffling people, and I, I heard a heard an explanation that, like, blew my mind. I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, and, and I, I'm gonna, it's going to get all conspiracy theory, all right? You ready for this? Yes. Hold on. I'm All almost right. done with this pickle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm ready. So, uh, all right, I'm I'm uh I'm gonna be the uh, you guys are gonna you're coming you're we all work at the same university, all right? And I've got this crack team of scientists. I send you guys out to solve science crimes. And science crimes. So you're like you're like a way like this is like a way like nerdy sausage party version of Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. So here's the deal, We're in the observatory, and I'm like, 
Orion's sword. Come on, it's totally a wang. Look, come on, Viderman. <laughs> Look at that. Sword is in Looks quotes. like a looks like a pickle to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the hotline so, buzzes. Uh, all right, step into my office, gentlemen. Sup, boss? Yes. All right, I don't know if you've aware of this, but we're having a problem. Frogs around the world are dying off. Hmm. All right? And I need you guys to get to the bottom of this. Trees. Like that movie. Done. All right, next scenario. <laughs> so what... Uh, all right, we'll go back up. All right. Frogs are dying off. Well, this is true fact, right? Yeah. Amphibians, there's been an amphibian die-off, okay? Now, you hear this. What do you guys... What's your instinct? What do you want to go do? What, to solve uh, the, I, the, I, the I, frog situation? We need to yeah. get into the biggest kill zone, put on our flippers, and 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 let's take some samples. I'm going to... All I'm right. gonna put on a whole hazmat bag. I'm gonna ziplock my whole face. No, uh, well then that. Sorry, Velasic. This is the difference between me and you because I'm going in and nothing but a speedo and two flippers and Viderman and a glad bag. It's gonna catch up to you someday. Your reckless pursuit of science is what got you in trouble back in '88. Listen, Dill, why don't you chill out with the rest of the gear? It has I'm nothing go to do with pickles. It's Velasic. <laughs> it's totally different. So uh, I send you to the Appalachian Mountains, and you go there to go look around at frog populations, and sure enough, like, apparently the frogs have been declining. All right, are they, like, living and dying, or are they- No, they're, like, massive kills. There are fewer of them. There are fewer of them. There are fewer, there's fewer frogs. There's just fewer frogs. So, uh, so the question, so we got more of a bee situation than a dead bird uh-huh. in Arkansas situation. Yeah, it's like a bee situation, colony collapse sort of thing. All right, so you've got you go you've got fewer frogs. Okay, Are there cell phone towers. To, no, no cell phone towers around. Are there? I think I I think I got it. What? New predator, some sort of crazy new predator, and they eat frogs. And whoa, what was that? Hey, hey, Flasic. That was. Did you hear that? That was that was me, bro. What what was that? What do you have? That sound? Oh, I, I've been working on my ventrile question. Look, I'll do it again. Here, listen. See? Sounded that like, totally wasn't you. That, no, no, that sounded like it came from that, me. That, that, that noise has absolutely nothing to do with this at all. I just was making, that was my poor in attempt this, at it. In this no. scenario, I actually do have ventriloquism <laughs> power that allowed me to do a really bad version of the predator that sounds like he's cutting, cutting the cheese. All right. <laughs> I think you guys need to grab some samples of some like water and stuff. If only you had something to put them inside of. I have my glad bag. Velasic, what do you have? I've, well, I've got this empty pickle jar, but this. <laughs> well, let me just drink the juice. <laughs> you know, Dill, you're not doing yourself any favors carrying around that jar. It has so nothing take, to do take... with the name. It's Velasic. It's totally different from Vlasic the Pickles. Are you going to finish that? So you take it back to the lab. Take it back to the lab. You get some results back. And it looks like there's some, like, you know, there's some, like, pollutants and stuff in the water and stuff. Because, you know, you look around, you look for cell phone towers. You didn't see cell phone towers. You look around, you look for what's different. And you see that, like, well, okay, you know, we've, we've got this, uh, you know, maybe there are some more toxins and stuff in the environment. All right, so I, I send you guys to South America, right? And you go through some South American jungle, and apparently, same just, thing. Yep. Same yeah, thing. but now we're in now we're in South American jungle, and I'm like, I think it could be a predator. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I think we should get the samples. Again. Hold on. Hold, also, hold on. we're here. In also, the hold on. What was that? Wait, what was your worry, Vlasic? Oh, I, that that there would be <clears throat> a predator here in the Amazon. 
right, anyhow, so you go back to the lab. You have another pickle jar. Because you still got your pickles. You go, we go look at the sample here, and we find out. That, yeah, there's you know, by the way, on. you could actually just get, since we, we stopped back in the lab before we went down to South America, you didn't have to eat an entire another jar of pickles on the plane. You could have just picked up some equipment on the way it's down. It's called recycling, all right? I love Mother Earth, and that's why I reused <laughs> recycle. the jars. You, you specifically went out and bought another gigantic thing The jar's already been made. Somebody was going to buy it eventually. <laughs> Might as well be me who eats the pickles first. All right, so I send you to Europe. Yes. And because there's reports of another decline of frogs there, and you go there, and all of a sudden, you know, apparently there's fewer frogs there. Okay, also, we got a sample. It appears by initial indications that it has the same exact traits. But seriously, you could have eaten applesauce <laughs> or some <laughs> other kind of thing that's kept in a glass I'm a jar. Creature of At this point, you you are you are undeniably obsessed with pickles. No, I'm not. I can stop at any time. And second of all, this is just like when you kept saying that I was gay in college. This is not cool. Would you stop it? All right. <laughs> but you were. Well, yeah, uh, you were a classic. <laughs> uh, I I happen to be homosexual in this scenario, and <laughs> so you are a homosexual ventriloquist who eats forty pickles a day. And his last name is Velisic. Yes, but and I don't Velisic, understand, Doctor Herb Velisic. Yes, yes, and that's the case. And I would appreciate it, Biederman, if you stopped teasing me about it, so we could solve the mystery of this. Uh, by the way, are you going to finish that sandwich? I mean, yeah, but you can have the pickle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So all of a sudden, we, we're looking at this frog kill off, and he's back in my office. And I'm like, put down the damn pickle, Velasic. All right. Velasic. And I'm like, all right, gentlemen, <laughs> let's, let's like, it's like one of those like closed room murder mysteries. Sure. What's killing the frogs? And let's, let's try some Socratic questioning here all because right. I've got it. I'm going to, I'll try. Uh, is there anything weird about the temperature in the area? No. Is there any new uh, you know, fixture or type of plant or, or any kind of uh, possible new uh, element to the environment that could be introducing this stuff to the water? Yes. What is it? Um, Sugar plant? No, there's there's there are things plant? there are many different things there are many different things that can kill frogs. Okay, there are many natural things that can kill Rock frogs. Music. But you're having this you're having this sort of global wide decline in frogs all of a sudden, and one of the first things people look for is they look for the unnatural explanation, which would be man. And so they they see you know, elevated toxins, things like that, in remote places, and that's the most likely assumption people would be making is that. Uh, you know, pollution and, and these are real things. Polluted water is affecting frog populations. Okay, now that's that's the assumption people make. But there's another theory out there that when I heard this, I said, you know, this this kind of makes more sense because some of the places where there's frog declines, they're not having the same levels of of uh, pollutants in the water. They're not having the same parts per million they have in other places. Yet they're having a frog decline. All right, what? What do all these places have in common? You, Appalachia, South America, and Europe. Hills. We're in Europe. Okay. What do we? What Pickles. if if I asked if I asked you to list the known things that we know? Okay. What do we know from within the scenario? What do we know? You're getting information. What do we? What can we say that we, we know? know that okay, we know that you got pollutants. Nothing. Uh, even even under polluted areas. Mm -hmm. We know mm -hmm. this global. 
Mm-hmm. We know that uh, that Viderman's an ass who won't keep mocking oh, me for right. my pickle obsession. I'm not even right. mocking. I'm stating absolute facts, right. and, and there's no hint of sarcasm in my voice. Let me let me. I'm gonna, I want to I want to lead you to this, but I don't. I want to I want to hear your brains work. So you need a you need a method that's killing the frogs. We need a thing that's killing the frogs. Can we can we and just observe? A, and the problem is is it's overall populations. We can't just sit and watch any one frog. Well, that's what you're saying. It's like your their population counts are done over time, and then they're noticing a decline in the population. Okay. So you go back, there are fewer frogs this year than there were the year before. Wait, uh, right? how many is, tadpoles are there? Uh, I don't I don't have that information. Right. I don't know. So it's not, we okay. don't know when they're dying off. They're just making less of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's I'm trying to figure out a way to get into this because it's it's such a I mean again, it blew my mind. Blew my mind. And I go, man, this makes a lot of sense. And I understand why it may not be getting as much attention. And you, this may be the first time anybody is hearing this who's listening to this. I mean, we have a large audience, so some people are like, no, Andrew, I heard it. But for most people, when you're, you're so we have there's something. Let's assume that it's the same thing that's killing all these frogs, causing the decline in the population globally. All right. Okay. What 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 fact what list things that we know that may have changed for those Certainly frog things? global you know, what, global temperature is the first thing that pops into mind and and you hear that all the time with the global warming uh theory mm-hmm. is that you know it's getting warm in the first outliers that mm-hmm. you see that uh, amphibians are dying off but but I asked about temperature and you said no well i mean and the problem with that is that that a the temperature variation in any particular area is greater than what the temperature increase due to global warming would have been so yeah. you know they, there have been hot summers before, and you know, granted, there's an there is an increase in global temperature, but you know, the, the extremes have always been higher than the temperature increase is the, the average. So, not as likely of a culprit. Okay. What about? I, I mean, I guess humidity. I could imagine, but I can't imagine why that would change outside mm. of. I mean, they're amphibians, so they want to be wet, but then they just get back in the water or something. Okay. Let me. Let me. Have anything to do with bird migration? Not. Not. Not in this theory. Not in this theory. I'm gonna. I'm going to throw a thing at you. I'm going to throw a, a phrase at you, okay? And, and this is observer paradox. Okay? Right. Go. Got the observer paradox, okay? Or, you know, uncertainty principle. You're saying we have to fire what particles we, what, at the frogs. What is what it, what is changing with what are the things that we know are different from the frogs now than let's say with the frogs 50 years ago or 70 years ago or 80 years ago? Uh, they haven't back then. They weren't made to cross a road in which cars were driving by periodically. <laughs> well, but if we're All talking right. about observation, though, I mean, some of the things that pop in your mind are. You got stuff like the evolutionary pressure that we put on the moth population in England where darker moths mm-hmm. were surviving because there was soot all over the trees. Uh, but if you're talking about from an observational angle, there's stuff like, could it be that because we have a greater precision of ability to count, like we're counting more accurately, so the numbers are going down? Well... Well, we stopped the, allowing drinking on the frog counting tours. Yeah, we uh, we have frog leashes, the, so they can't hop away and get okay. counted twice. 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead here and I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a couple scenarios for you that I think are going to lead you to the answer. Okay. Okay. When, and, and it's a sort of thing that we, it's one of those things when we talk about space exploration, we talk about going to other planets, we talk about what we need to do and precautions and things like that to do every, every scientist, everybody, you know, will tell you these things, knows these things. But when you think about ways in which, you know, we put these things into practice, sometimes it's hard for us to make a connection between these things. What, when you had explorers came to the new world, what did they bring with Disease. them? Disease. Okay. Now, it, what happened sometimes, they would come to towns Science. and people would, already, people would already be dead because sometimes the disease spread ahead of them. Okay. Now, right now, the Russians are digging into that lake below Antarctica to find out what's in this lake that's millions of years old. Okay. And they're taking, they stopped drilling for a while because the scientific community is like, you've got to take precautions because you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, destroy what's below there. Okay. And we talk about going into, you know, the moons of Jupiter if we ever send expeditions there. Okay. What, one of the biggest things that's changed about frogs is there's more experts in that field, herpetologists, et cetera, going out there and looking at them So, so than there were before. They're, they're just bringing the disease to the frogs? Is that what's going on? There's a fungus that kills frogs. And one of the theories right now is that this fungus may have been spread from population to population when they first started doing frog counts. You bring out your field equipment, you go measure this, somebody takes a fungus from one area, from the Appalachian Mountains to these different pockets. Somebody goes down, I have, I have friends who are scientists who studies these things. And these guys travel all around the world and they bring the same field equipment, the same shoes. Wow. So there's a theory that the frog decline may actually be due to the fact that we've been actually going out there and observing them and counting them. And the scientists trying to find out this effect have been bringing the fungus from population to population. So it's like really, the, it's not global warming or anything crazy. It's like a dude named Steve who yep. is just who all he wants to, to do is protect frogs. the frogs, and he cares so all much. All I've about ever wanted to do is count frogs, and now I'm killing them. My guess is now, how do you how do you wrestle with that? Like you're at a cocktail party. And then all of a sudden, Steve, calm down. You don't see Dill over here freaking out because he's gay and eats a billion pickles. <laughs> but he's just like, you know, hey, Steve. So it's like we actually were with Steve and we're like, hey, bro, do you ever think that maybe you're killing the frogs? Like he's like, what what, what, what are you talking about? Like, like I, I have a split personality. And I'm like, no, that's dumb. But like, you know, maybe no. you got a fungus. Maybe your foot fungus is killing them all. Remember those shoes you kept making fun of you for and the fact that you never washed your lab equipment because you're gross? Well, you know, one of the things like the – one of the things, the reason they think that like bee population declining is colony collapse disorder. And the reason they think that was spreading is because one of the things they'll do is they'll take bees from further up north and bring them down south to go pollinate, you know, to work on farms and to pollinate. And they spread – these you know funguses that other bee groups have not had contact with and it's a thing where the people who the beekeepers are hesitant to admit that maybe their own way of making money off of these bees is one of the factors in which they're declining and you know when you read books in the 90s we're all worried about people hopping on airplanes and spreading disease around the world okay well you know we we truck bees across country which is sort of the same thing. And they don't have a history of living in cities outside of their own genetic relatives like we do. And now you have a thing with frogs where they have these people coming in from these environments and bringing in with them things from outside that they're not prepared for. It's it's the going to the new world scenario all over again. But seriously, Steve, stop stop crying, Steve. All right, we're just saying well, that maybe it's your nasty I, feet. I love frogs. Maybe it's your nasty feet that are killing the frogs that you love so much. 
Well, but I mean, but seriously, frog. like, how do you, you know, how well does that go over, Brian, when you go in front of a bunch of frog experts? Like, hey, guys, I think I solved the problem on what's killing the right. frog. It's it's your stank yeah. ass. Us! We're it's, killing them. It's not Exxon, you know, and, and we want to go for the environmental reason. We want to go for, you know, the how the, the greed of man and industry and all that. But, you know. No, I mean this is. I don't mean this sounds. It's gonna sound anti-science. It's not anti-science. I just think that you know, if we think something's true in one case, it's probably true in all cases. If something has a vulnerability to disease, if animals have vulnerability to diseases that are far removed from their environment, then that's gonna to apply to frogs as well as people. Steve, that's, stop crying. I, yeah, I, I love frogs are the best. They hop, hop, hop along, and I hop, hop, <laughs> killed them with my feet. Feet fungus. The following is a paid message from friend of the podcast, Zach Holder, at Lonely.Geek on the Twitters. Zach, well, he ain't got nothing to promote and nothing to sell at this time. So why did he buy this ad slot, you ask? Because he wants people to know that he's alive, not a figment of Brian or Justin or Andrew's imagination. He also wants you to know that you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like him, not you. Zin Zach. Guess being good enough and smart enough just now wasn't enough. Well, buck up, kiddo. And peace out, podcast listeners. From Zach. Not you. Uh, as we saw last week, Watson destroyed humanity. Yeah. I didn't get to watch live because I was working that casino gig that uh, that we both got to work, which ha- I had a great time. Thank you so much for awesome. having them give me a call, Andrew. That was awesome. Glad you could do it, buddy. So, uh, yeah, Watson destroyed humanity in jeopardy. Um, end of days is here. I'm building okay, a shelter. Okay. Well, it's not fair, though, because it really boiled down to, like, how many times would the other guys have had the answer if Watson hadn't buzzed in first? Because when you have that mechanical advantage, that's, I mean, that's not even the same at all. But it had the answer. Like, well, I mean, it got it right. The answer. Okay, but the thing is, like, so it really, in my imagination, the only was there ever a time that the humans were able to buzz in before the machine? Yeah. yeah. There's plenty. Of Wait, what, where the machine knew the answer, but the, because my guess is those were the times yeah. the machine just didn't know the answer. No, no, right. no, 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 Brian, no. I don't, I don't feel better by your explanation that not only did it know the answer, it also was capable of lightning fast reflexes that's, to that's answer what I'm before saying. we is that, can. Is that's the, makes me feel so much no, better. That's, no, but, but that's the future part is that that's what throws it off. It wasn't smarter than humans. It just, it had a huge tactical advantage. Mechanical well, what was advantage. It? Ken Jennings and the other dude, what is their advantage over every other Jeopardy player? They have a uh, expansive knowledge of this kind of <laughs> trivia and yeah. they can buzz in quick. Brian, so, as, as, as metal endoskeletons start stomping on our smoking, cindering skulls as they march across the face of the planet after wiping off humanity, we'll, we'll, be, we'll die happily knowing that, you know, one, because of a technicality. Well, Skynet okay, no, one, what, because... What I'm saying, all right, well, all right, go ahead. I'm just saying, all right, I must do yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's a machine. Of course it was faster because it's a machine, Brian. Right, exactly. It's like, oh, and this just in, a human can't outrun a Porsche. Yeah, but, you know, when Porsches start beating humans in NASCAR races, when we, we start putting, you know, in the it's Google like, car. It's like, what, what about this? It's like uh, a Porsche plays chess 
but the board is eight miles away. So the human starts running, and then the meanwhile the Porsche just drives over the chessboard, and and it has no intelligence. But because the human doesn't even make it over to the board, the Porsche wins by default. I mean, it's just like it's not it's not. It's not. Uh, you're not amazed that the Porsche knew where to go. You're not amazed that, like, the natural language, the fact that you gave it a Jeopardy question, it could give you an answer. That, that no wonder, therefore, you're not like, wow, that's really interesting. It, it is that. a very impressive trick, but well, I, I just don't know what, what the trick is. Like the things that you're saying was an unfair advantage. Ken Jennings and the other dude have over every other Jeopardy player. There's a reason why they dominated, and that was because okay, they here's what I'm figured trying to out say. Here's a what I'm timing to system say. on the buzzer, and they knew a bunch of stuff. That's what Watson was also good at, but it was better than those uh, Here, Here's the thing. Computers were able to beat humans way early before Deep Blue in speed chess because it was this manic, fast pace, and it could run its algorithms mechanically fast, and, and it was able to beat people in speed chess, and it wasn't for a while till they were able to create Deep Blue that was able to beat a full-on thinking human face-to-face. -face. This, to me, strikes me as the speed chess version of out-triviaing people where the mechanical uh, advantage of being able to ring in first was able to skew it in its favor. But Brian, I think the biggest problem has been in artificial intelligence has been getting machines to understand context. And this was a very, very, it was obviously a machine tuned to answer questions in a particular kind of context, but it got context well enough that you could ask a question, it could give you an answer. And that has been the dream of computation for a long time. You know, we have search, you type in a word and it gives you back a hundred results and you have to pick, your brain has to pick the one that it applied to. Natural language question search is still dodgy, but here was a huge leap forward where you could have a computer sit down and play an unaltered trivia game and where and understand the context of the questions and give answers. To me, that's, you know, that's, you know, it's one step to the point that, you know, when you call it a trick, I mean, well, very our brains much are tricks. A trick. You're sitting here talking about, you know, oh, our computer overlords, it's all over. They can decide to govern us now. And it's like, no, dude, this is, a, this is an impressive party trick they pulled. And I'm happy for them, impressive. and it is impressive. I just don't know. I don't know how it's a trick. If if, if he's if if Watson is doing the exact same thing that the contestants that were on the show playing against it did to every other Jeopardy contestant Be for the exact same reason. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, it's 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 a trick because if you take it into any other trivia-based game, all of a sudden it breaks. It, it won't do anywhere near as well. Because it's okay, not wait, no, but wheel of fortune. <laughs> yeah, well, but hold on, wait, because you said like the like the speed chess thing. So like it was not impressive when a robot beat a human for the first time at speed chess. Uh, it we shouldn't say wow, that's that's kind of cool, and that will lead to other cool stuff. Well, you know what? You're right. Those are exactly the things you say, which is not what Andrew's saying. What Andrew's saying is the robot overlords. They finally have taken over. I don't think I said that at all, I, man, but that's okay. okay. Uh, right. You, you didn't mention smoldering corpses. I didn't say it was happening uh, tomorrow. Smoldering skulls. I didn't. Right. Like, I didn't no, you fair. certainly didn't use Terminator imagery. I, I must have missed. I did use Terminator. I must, but I, I must but have Brian, imagined my, my, all that. I'm sorry. Oh, well, Brian, you, you imagined the time frame in which I said it was happening. Brian, I, I'm just saying is that, you know, you know, there's there are steps from one thing to the next. And, you know, I, I would I would think that a, a robot going on a nationally televised quiz show and beating humans 
is one of the things that would happen before you get really hyper-intelligent, you know, AI. I would think they would be capable of doing that first. Now it's done that. What's next? You know, you're like, ah, it's like, ah, you're like, ah, one speed chess. So what? Wait until it can play chess with a human in a regular chess match. Oh, wait, it did that and they win. How can you, in the same episode of Weird Things, like you are basically saying to me the same argument when you were dumping all over the space shuttle program and I was like, hey man, it's another step forward. That's cool. And you crapped all over it and now you're reversing the exact same argument for, for this. I don't understand. Government bureaucracy. That's what I was getting over was the bureaucracy. When, when oh, because this was a privately funded effort. Now it's awesome. Uh, if this was if this was a National See. Science Foundation had this, I'd be like, that's pretty oh, cool. Oh no, you wouldn't. Be like, You'd be wow. talking about how much better it'd be if Elon Musk was rubbing his balls on it. <laughs> you would you would too, Brian. <laughs> Listen, man. I've I've tried to use the government websites, all right? My point my point here is this is I think it's cool. I think it's we can sit we can incrementally and go, yeah, so what here and I could I, I could explain to you the problems the way Deep Blue did its chess match against Kasparov. I can tell you why technically it maybe it shouldn't count. I absolutely make those arguments, but I can't just sit here and every time we have these giant leap forward go, yeah, it's not it's not fully realized. I like to stop and watch the evolution of these things and go, wow, that's cool. I've that's I'm cool very too. That's annoyed cool with the way the press has dumbed down the specifics of what has happened here that everyone's just like oh this just in also computers are smarter than us at everything and next story and it's like no it's like uh the story deserves better than that and it deserves the specifics and i was annoyed that you would play the same oversimplification game You and the Today Show, you and Matt Lauer sitting there like, computers are so smart. Smarter than they were a month ago. Smarter than they were a year ago. They're getting smarter, Brian. Calmer than you are. I'm perfectly What's I'm perfectly that? calm, dude. Yeah. Calmer than you are. <laughs> I'm totally calm. <laughs> Nobody panic. Yeah, waving the Jeopardy plug around. I'm calmer than you are. <laughs> so uh anyhow boys and girls um in the next episode one of us is going to be replaced by machine intelligence <laughs> it's not going to be me and i'm going to tell you and, and there are some rumors and speculation that when the revolution happens that i'm going to like betray humanity and that is absolutely not true okay i will try to i volunteer myself as a negotiator to get ourselves the best terms possible it's totally different than me selling no you guys out this. Totally. Yeah, nobody nobody buys that you haven't already joined them and that we're not seeing an avatar from the computers. Exactly. He's, he's, already, he's already Benedict Robarnell. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I know where you live, all right? I'm looking at you right now in Google satellite imagery. <laughs> I'm going to send a robot car to your house and then an Asimo is going to walk out of there and just just you know, convince you that you need to think differently. I love this idea of these uh, robot mobsters. They're all like, you uh, you want that you should stay organic? Yes. Sure, that's such a good idea for you. Zero, zero, one, all zero. Right. Is it time for picks? Sure. Let's pick it up. Let's do some recommendations. Who shall start? Shall it be Justin? I'll start. Should... Okay. Um... I think we've picked uh, Pandora Star in this podcast like seven times. Seven times, yes. bro. We we really like that book, Pandora Star. Yeah. And yes. since we last 
uh, finished or did a weird things, I listened to Pandora Star and Completion and then summarily started demolishing the sequel for which is my pick, Judas Unchained. Uh, if, if anybody, like, since we've recommended it a billion times, you've read Pandora Star, I can't imagine listening to Pandora Star and, or reading it and not immediately, uh, going and reading the sequel since it leaves off on such a cliffhanger, but, uh, I absolutely love it. I think Peter F. Hamilton is a total, total genius, and, uh, it's, it's one of those things where... It, it's a great sci-fi book because of the non-sci-fi elements. Well, and, that, and you know, the- one thing I like about all of his works is is you got to, or at least you know, especially the Judas and Chain Pandora Star. He wrote that stuff in the nineties, man. No, yeah. wait, it came, well, it came out in, in like I think Judas and Chain came out in like two thousand four, two thousand five. Ah, crap! I'm thinking of the uh, the other one he did. You know, uh, Watson would have gotten that. Nice- oh no. The Night's Dawn trilogy is what I'm thinking of. They did in the 90s. Mm-hmm. He got so much yeah. right in that one. Uh, yeah. Well, here's here's what I'll say. Uh, you know, not only is it incredibly uh, awesome from the, a plot and story perspective, and uh, there are these great kind of tonal shifts uh, that that you really don't see coming, and keeps it light even when it's like this sort of breakneck white knuckle thriller. But the sci-fi concepts in it are. Tickle your junk, delightful, and everybody should go buy it. So, if you haven't read Pandora Star, then consider this a eight and, or seventh and a half recommendation for that, and a full first full recommendation for Judas Unchained. Brian, shall I go first, or would you like? To? I will go first, and I don't know how to say this without possibly offending people, uh, but I'm going to use some I'm going to use some shorthand that harkens back to middle school, and I mean absolutely no offense to anyone when I say this, but I may be reading the gayest post-apocalyptic book ever written. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, the hunger games. You gay, gay, like Dr. Herb Ellis. <laughs> yeah, he's well, okay. Yeah, he is. He is. He is gay, but it's, uh, he just likes pickles. All right. Um, he also likes pickles. Uh, let me tell you, man, it's, it's kind of wild and I'm enjoying it as far as candy. The, the premise is a little bit ridiculous. If you've read the hunger games, but what I keep noticing, like I didn't notice it until about a third of the way into the first book, but the the story follows a character who lives in one of the outlier districts in this post post apocalyptic future of North America, who gets to visit the uh, capital city at some point. The capital, of course, has you know picture Logan's Run basically, where uh, you know they have a lot of opulence and they're bored with life and everything is for their own amusement. Meanwhile, carousel, ex- carousel, exactly right. And so, meanwhile, in the districts, you know they're starving to death and and they've got nothing to to wear. And there, I'm I'm enjoying the story fine, but holy cow, is there so much food porn and clothing porn in this book? Uh, it's it's like you know it's like uh, the three paragraphs about like oh in the creamy sauce she had never experienced such a flavorful orange before, <laughs> <laughs> or it's like you know and the dress was dazzling with gems they sparkled like starfire <laughs> and you know it's like uh look I mean I mean I'm enjoying it's it like, and I'm probably gonna end up reading the whole series it's, of it's them, a, but seriously. It's like it's like somebody just had like three channels. They had Bravo, Food Channel, and then like The Road yeah, playing yes, on HBO. Yes, exactly. If the three of those channels had sex, they would poop out 
that they would poop out the hungry. Brian, that's that's not how it works. That's not how. It works. <laughs> well, as I understand biology, that's exactly, yeah. exactly. how it works. And and as as the two people without children, you know, <laughs> corrects the, the guy with two. Brian kids. Brian wasn't even in the room when 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 either one of the things the the conception or the delivery happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, the yeah. So so uh, anyway, I'm enjoying it. I'll probably finish the whole thing. But you can tell. Uh, you could tell that that I I almost feel like. I feel a little bit dirty because I feel like I'm reading the twilight of post-apocalyptic fiction. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Was that, does that get the record for the most begrudging uh, <laughs> pick we've ever had on this podcast? I, I think so. Very I think much. so. All right. I'm going to give you my pick. I'm going to start off by explaining something. I'm not a man. Uh, well, Justin. Robot. You're not a man. Told you. Oh, told you. Am I a robot right Biederman, now? Peterman, did I not tell you? You you called it, Dale. <laughs> Stop calling me that. It's, it's oh. not the pickle. It's Velisic. The Brian, you're not a man. I'm sorry. You're not a man. Look, I told you, I may be homosexual in this scenario, but listen, man, that, that can be just as man as any other man. No, I'm gonna explain to you why you're not a man. Why none of us are men. We're barely boys. All right. Go on. I watched a movie that I hadn't seen in a billion years, and it's very much on topic today. And it reminded me of man. You know, I look at myself and the grown-up I'm supposed to be, and now I look at what it really meant to be a man and realize how, how much I failed, how much I failed that young little Andrew who looked up at the sky and wondered. I watched the right stuff. Oh, my God. Those men were men. Those men were men, okay? And it starts off with the story of Chuck Yeager. If you haven't seen the right stuff, it's based on the novel by Tom Wolfe. It was uh, directed by, I think, uh, uh, Philip Kaufman. And it is a, a you know, three-hour epic about the space race right after Sputnik. What happened when Sputnik went up? And, you know, we had our president recently talk about a Sputnik moment. But you know what a Sputnik moment is? A specific goal, a thing that we want to go do, not a vague thing. First goal was we got to get something into space. Then our goal is we got to get a man into space. Then we got to get a man into orbit. And then we're like, all right, you commies, we're going to take it up another level. We're going to put a man on the moon. We know, face. we know you can strap people to rockets, but can you do something that takes precision? And that's what our goal was. So, but the right stuff basically is about the Mercury program. Okay, it's it's the missions leading up to the last time we sent one man by himself up into space, and it's the story of the original seven. Plus, it talks about you know you get into the story of Chuck Yeager, okay, played by Sam Shepard, who is a man, man's man. Okay, Chuck Yeager. Okay, how much do you know about Chuck Yeager? I know that he had like. 2200 vision he had very good eyes and yeah they he had a flight simulator in the 80s that's right so chuck yeager he's like a pilot in you know like world war ii okay he becomes a test pilot which is like the ultimate manly job right see that's, Goes that's in, such a perverse like weird reward like you've served us well in battle do this extraordinarily dangerous, stupid thing, please. Get this So he flies like was the X-2 jet, breaks the sound barrier. First guy who that we know on a level flight, proven broke the sound. There people may have done it in sort of a, uh, a uh, an angle decline, but the first guy to break in a level flight, the sound barrier, breaks that barrier. I mean, this is a real man, okay? Then goes on, flies the X-15 program. What was cool about the X-15, this was a thing that was dropped from an airplane and then would go up. And some of the some of the guys, some of the pilots who flew the X-15 actually got their astronaut wings because they went into that boundary layer of space. All right? That's awesome. And there was actually a project to put an X-15 into orbit. They eventually got killed where they would have put one on top of like, you know, one of these ballistic missiles and sent one of these X-15 airplanes in and around. I mean, that's 
Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Dope. So we all know that he broke the sound barrier. Do you know what he did after that? Okay. Had the a X-15. lot of sex. Yes. Okay. He went, re-enlisted, was a brigadier general in the Air Force, actually ran like an air base during the Vietnam War and flew missions and stuff. Jeez. Okay. And he's still alive today. Wait, all right. What? A, yeah. Chuck Yeager's still around. All right. I mean, and that's how more manly to get than that. Okay. So this guy, it just flew. He all never right, got how his- much, How much money do you think? Like he can, how old is he? Like, yeah, I think he's 88. 88. He could still beat all of our ass at the oh, same time. Oh, sure. Of course. Of course he can. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So anyhow, you know, it starts off, you get the right stuff. They talk about Jaeger, who probably is the greatest pilot who ever lived. And then you get into the, all these, the guys, the, the, the astronauts, the first astronauts. And it's a great overview of that program. And you understand like the, the goal we were trying to do, you know, here we were thinking that we were the pinnacle of technology in this backwater agrarian, you know, third world country called Russia puts an object into orbit, blinking, you know, sending out a little signal telling us, ha ha, we did it. And the space race is on. And we had clear goals of what we wanted to do in a short period of time. And we did those things and we, we, came, we were capable of very amazing things. So it's a very inspirational movie. And that's why I get a little bit of, you know, sort of sad when I think about it. we had this really, really fast start. We did some really incredible things and then the bureaucracy set in and then we just sort of kind of stayed in low earth orbit. Farted. But, you know, there you go. So that's my recommendation. It's on Netflix. Watch instantly if you want to check it out. If you're a Netflix, Netflix subscriber, the right stuff. Pew! Boys and girls, this has been a Weird Things episode. My name's Andrew Main. I'm joined by Brian Brushwood and Justin Robert Young. Remember, go to weirdthings.com and you can check out all of our fantastic weird stories. Also, if you go to podcaster.com slash weirdthings, it's podcaster without an E, podcaster.com slash weirdthings. You can get our mobile player that'll play on your desktop and on your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch. Till next time. Keep it weird, weirdos. Yeah. And you're going to say the thing? What's that? I'll say. Did you say like that was weird? It's been weird. I, I thought I, I let Brian say it. Oh, I said keep it weird, weirdos. It's been weird. Yeah. Would you like a listener shout out or maybe sponsor the podcast? Email weird things mail at gmail.com the same address where you can make a suggestion or write your own scenario weird things mail